Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the stories of immigrants in the United States. Today, we are bringing to you part two of Lillian Medina Romero's story. If you'll remember on the last episode, part one, she spoke about arriving in the United States after completing her law degree and moving to Washington, D.C. area and arriving the weekend when we had that huge blizzard back in 2010, I believe. And um, I remember being overseas, actually, I was in Mexico City, and my cousin who was living in D.C. at the time, his car was covered for days under inches of snow. I mean, you couldn't see anything. Cars were covered, top of cars, like deep into snow. And his car actually got damaged because they couldn't dig stuff out for days. It was quite a blizzard, a big hit for D.C. And how she went on to take English courses and worked and landed an opportunity um, that helped her to transition into the D.C. area and how much it felt like home. In this episode, Lillian will share a bit more about the political situation that was going on in Colombia at the time where her father left and talk about um, the changes that has since happened and how she has found her place here in the United States. Um, All due to her hard work and connecting and people helping her and um, her sticking to it, that immigrant mentality, you know, working hard and taking advantage of the opportunities that were given to her. So here goes part two of Lillian's story. The challenge um, that you were recognizing that, um, you know, you came with a degree and that there were so many barriers for you to overcome just to be able to use that degree. And, um, and then the language and so forth. Anything additional that you'd like to add? Um, well, in terms of the challenges, I think those those were the main ones of like the language and just the the um, for for lack of a better word, I guess if and there's the come come to the realization that you know my background and experience didn't didn't translate uh, here, uh, and that made me feel less. So. I think I struggle with that and absolutely unrelated, but challenging the weather. I was looking up the, um, the storm uh, that I was talking about. And if you go and you Google like blizzard 2010, it yeah. goes, it comes up in Wikipedia. Like it was pretty bad. It was, oh, wow. bad. I remember I was in the house, like it was, you know, the, the, um, 
my group house, right? Like I rented it through a friend uh, of a friend. But anyway, so it was like a place that I could trust. But I was in a group house with a with five people that I didn't know, didn't speak the language anyways. And it was snowing for like three days or four days. We couldn't go out. We, you know, thank God I have food because um, my dad was was here in DC with me for, for like that week because he, he wanted to make sure that I was going to be, you know, in a safe place and all that. Um, but that was definitely very challenging. <laughs> I, um, I like the snow when I see it from the window, but I think I still have some trauma from, from that event because <laughs> it was a lot of it. No, I can't imagine. And that's your first time experiencing snow and to get it so heavily, oh, I can just oh imagine. God. And then you I still had to continue on with life or were you guys uh, sheltered in? Yes. And I didn't, I remember like one of the things like I didn't even have the right shoes for the snow. Right. So I have yeah. like, I had like sneakers or something like that. And so, so I need, so when I went, <laughs> my feet were like, almost frozen uh it was I mean I laugh right now but it was painful it was oh I can't imagine and so many people go through that too just trying to figure out some of those little things that now we say little things but they're big deal like having the proper clothing to protect your your body so you can get around but you know you didn't come from that type of weather and didn't expect to be hit with that such a big weather change right so (laughs) no not at all not at all so on the other hand so those were some major challenges the language the the weather and uh, translating your um professional credentials from Colombia to here um can you speak to any opportunities that came along to help you move from that point to where you are today yeah, absolutely. So I think the first one and and most relevant one was really the opportunity to volunteer at that nonprofit. Because, um, you know, even though you just for, for many people and especially in our culture, like um, volunteering, it's it's not I guess we, we don't see it in the same way. Um, or at least I didn't when I, when I moved. Um, so a lot of people think like, oh, you're giving up your time and like, yeah, but at the same time I had the opportunity to learn a lot in that place. And, and it was big because, um, I grew with the organization and with that knowledge and talent that I didn't think mattered at the time, I helped the organization become a major resource for immigrants uh, in Washington, D.C. and in 14 other cities in the United States. Um, So that was definitely one of the the major opportunities. And I'm so glad I did that. Um, And at the time, you know, I did it because I wanted to um, kind of like get my my feet in the field of the legal world. Um, and, and it was great. I, I went from being a volunteer to a paralegal and then to a program director, deputy director, and I left the organization as co-executive director. Uh, and we went from, you know, have been a small office in Washington, D.C. to being a national organization with 14 locations in, in the United States, uh, one supporting office in Latin America. Um, so it really 
it really changed my life that um, the opportunity to to work at that place. And because I mean, it encompassed my passion uh, for, uh, like I said, seeking justice for for uh, immigrants and particularly for women in that community um, for my own because of, you know, my own personal background. Um, and it, it, it really showed me that uh, the, the opportunities that this country has for growth, um, professional and personal, uh, particularly, but also, you know, if as a community, right, when we get together, and it really, it was a place where I, um, I really discovered that I didn't have to um, hide my background or be somebody else, or it, it really showed me that embracing my heritage and, and you know, my experience uh, was a good thing. And that, uh, you know, knowing this, the, knowing to navigate, like learning to navigate the system is important, um, but I, that I didn't need to, um, I guess, diminish my, my own background and experience in who I was. Uh, because I was surrounded by, you know, other immigrants and other professionals uh, that came in similar, uh, with similar backgrounds and experiences as, as mine. So that was definitely uh, a big opportunity that, um, that came along to help me uh, achieve my dreams. I also, I mean, after that, I, the, the sky was the limit, honestly. I am, I, I feel like I am living my dream. I, I became, um, familiar with not only the system, but also like navigating all the nonprofit world. Um, I had the opportunity to work with the Empowered Women International, which was the program where we met uh, and through them, the Latino um, Latino Economic Development Center, um, and then even I, I even worked uh, as a as a contractor for the government, and now all those experiences brought me to um, to to start this new business, the Brick Sisters, which is this literally living my dream. This business is giving me the opportunity to prove that entrepreneurship and uh, business can be done um, in an ethical way um, as I pursue the my dream, which is, again, um, finding uh, justice and trying to make this world a better place while, you know, making a living out of the thing that I love the most. Um, we are trying to create a workplace where the people that work with us, which are uh, primarily women, we we try to um, support uh, women of color, and that's that's how that's uh, the people that worked at, at the Bridge Sisters, and um, and we work with clients that are nonprofits particularly, um, and that have something in common, and that is that is that they are advancing. Uh, they're doing work either for direct services or public policy or advocacy or whatever it is. They're advancing uh, human rights of women and girls and uh, marginalized genders and sexually diverse people. So I, I don't want to say that I, I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to do that in Colombia. Probably, um, I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad that 
this country has given me the tools to, to achieve my dreams. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. That sounds like there was some divine intervention in uh, your dad extending that opportunity and it's taken on a whole new life for you. 100%. Uh, 100%. Yes. Um, I don't know if you mind sharing. You've alluded a, a few times to your own personal experience, your family's own personal experience. Are you able to share a little bit about what were some of the circumstances back in Colombia surrounding the security situation? I, I was very young, right? So my, my um, understanding of what was going on was, I guess, I was, I was a child, right? Like, you know, I was under 13, 14. Um, I do know that my dad had uh, a particular experience where um, a group of people came and basically robbed the car, it's his car uh, at gunpoint, and they took the car and my grandma was there in the car. So they took my grandma in the car with them. And I know that that was very traumatic uh, for my dad. I mean, later they, um, you know, my grandma was fine and she was able to come home. Um, but I know that that was a very traumatic experience for my dad. Um, and in general, just, I think for him, the, you know, being able to, to feel safe, you know, to have that sense of safety, uh, was very important for him. Um, and I don't know, I feel like when you, when you leave there, you don't really, I don't want to say you don't really feel like it's not safe. Um, but you learn how to, you know, navigate the city, you know, where you're going. And, um, I don't, I don't want to give the sense that like, oh, it's a place where you can't go because it's dangerous. I mean, that's not, that's not the case. Right. Um, but yeah, stuff like that happened and, uh, and, and it happened to my dad. And, and those are traumatic experiences that are hard to overcome. Right, um, right, right. So this I know in Cali? This was yeah. in Cali, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and I know he really values that about uh, living here. Um, not that, you know, stuff like that doesn't happen here. Um, but, but I know he feels safer and, and that means a lot to him. Right, right. He was able to have a new start and sense of security in a new environment. Yes. Um, so a little backdrop, um, uh, you know, the history of Colombia over the years. Um, I can re- it, it has changed now, thank God, right? They're working towards um, a better future. But back uh, decades ago, the, there was a, I think it's a para, if they're considered a paramilitary group, the FARC. They were very involved in the overall sense of security of Colombians and the country in general. And, you know, and I guess the group came together, uh, I want to say with the Colombian government and met in Cuba at some point a few, few years back and came to an agreement to this disband the FARC. Mm-hmm. And so um, do you want to share a little bit more for our listeners who might not know what the experience of Colombia during that time? Yeah, so so it's true. Um, back uh, back in the day, the 20 years ago, it was it was very, I guess, dangerous to like travel, for instance, traveling by car. Right. One of the things that I really want to do now or someday is to go back and kind of explore the country the way that I, you know, 
do it here. Like you can go on a road trip and go on a hike and um, really enjoy the beauty uh, of the country. That's one of the things that I want to do uh, one day because I didn't get to do that when I was a child. And the reason was because it wasn't safe uh, for, for people to uh, go on the road and just go on a road trip uh, and go to the mountains or, you know, uh, go to, to places. And it's a very beautiful country. I mean, you just have to like Google pictures of it or it's, it's amazing, right? Like the, the nature and the diversity of the country is amazing. And I didn't get to enjoy that because it wasn't safe, right? My parents didn't feel safe um, going on a road trip or taking me to the mountains because at the time, um, you know, there was a high risk that uh, the, the gorillas were going to kidnap you, right? And, and ask for a ransom and like uh, ask for money because that was a, a, a source of, of, of income for them. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. Um, we, as you said, we went, we went through and are going through a process of uh, peace agreement. So things in that sense of like moving the mobility of the um, country, it's much safer now. Um, but it's, it's, it's still right. Like we, we are a country that I, I want to say are, are in transformation. There is also uh, right now a lot of like social movements and political movements that are um, really fighting the fight for like true justice because uh, all that uh, violence from, from that time, I want to say really traumatized people and, and um in Colombia and as a society and our culture. So, so we're trying to recover from that. And part of that recovery is acknowledging the, um, the, the pain and suffering that people went through, uh, some of that responsibility of the same government, right? Uh, and, um, and, and there are a lot of social movements that are trying to you know, achieve that, that justice uh, for and reparation for the people that that uh, suffered. But in terms of, of safety, I, I would say it's a much surf, safer place now um, than it was before. I, I would say I feel uh, much more <laughs> um, comfortable saying I'm going to go back and go on a road trip and, and really live and discover the beauty of the country because it is it is an amazing place. It, it, it truly is. Please take me with you when you're going. We can plan this trip together. Absolutely. <laughs> it, yes. It's been on my list and, and lovely that things have improved and the security situation is so much better. And um, perhaps we can talk offline about how we can do this together because it's always better to go with someone who is from the country and, you know, you really get the full sense of um, the culture and everything that the country has to offer. So yeah, let's talk about that. I'm so serious. Uh, Lily. Yes. Let's, let's do it. Was there anything that surprised you particularly about the American culture? Um, anything that might be just so different from you know, I know the weather was a big thing. It's an English speaking country, <laughs> right? So the language, weather, and then, you know, the way things are done here professionally. Was there anything else about the culture outside of that that was like surprising and shocking for you? 
Yes, one thing. So I told you I lived in a, in a house in Tacoma Park, right? Yeah. And Tacoma Park is a place that it's, uh, I don't know if that's still the case after 12 years, but it's like known to be like a very hippie, like hipster. Yes, I know it very well. Neighborhood. <laughs> right, culturally I, rich. Yes, yeah, so I lived with... Um, with particularly one or two people that were all about like the environment and I believe this guy was like a PhD in like the environmental policy or something like that right so um to me it was very interesting the the way that people at least people in the house and then I learned that like outside of the house in the city the way that people care so much about like the food right and the, the the things that they were putting in their bodies and like I learned for the first time the the meaning of the word organic right like everything has to be organic or like the eggs have to be organic or the chicken has to be organic and I'm like what it's a chicken like what do you mean organic like chickens grow and like I literally my grandma like my grandma had chickens in her in the you know in her house like um you know what I mean? Like, so to me, that was so strange when people be like, oh, no, don't eat that because that's not organic. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like a piece of meat. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, to me, that that was so uh, interesting. And then I learned about the food industry in America, right? Like, for for me or for, for us, uh, and I know that things have changed um, over the time, uh, but for me, like, food most food like you know fruits and vegetables and uh and protein like animal protein and all that to me that like the definition is organic like it, cr it grows from the earth <laughs> right uh but uh so it was interesting to learn that in america uh things that grow from the earth might not be organic um and um so that was that that was like I had an adjustment period because at the at the beginning I thought it was stupid. <laughs> like I was like, are you kidding me? Um, but then you know, after that I, I kind of learned about the, the food industry and why it, it here it is so important to know where your food is coming from and and what type of you know what industry you're supporting and it, because it, it is true, right? Like the there are some chickens that are full of antibiotics and stuff, and uh, and that's the stuff that you're putting in your body. So that's that was a, a, an adjustment period. Um, but yeah, it, it it was interesting for me. Uh, a chicken was a chicken, and and, <laughs> and an apple was uh, an apple, and it was organic. Right, right, because um, you're right because of the hormones and antibiotics and other things that are pumped into the um our animal protein here it's just not the same mm -hmm. it's 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 i mean i i say all the time when i go back to jamaica for a vacation um i remember when we when i went for my wedding and i i tried on my wedding dress here and it fit perfectly i went there for two weeks before the wedding and on my wedding day my wedding dress was falling off of me and i ate everything i wanted to eat Mm -hmm. leading up that too. and I lost weight with yeah. eating everything I wanted well it's and primarily it's because the food is different it's it's grown differently there you know there's not the same of things that are put into the food that is you know used to feed the animals it's prepared differently um the soil is different 
uh, and so forth. And so it's probably probably similar to what you're trying to express of, you know, in Colombia, we just know things come from the earth and it's all natural and organic. But I guess there needs to be a big differentiation here because of the different um, things that take place with different line of producing food and, and produce here. Yeah, no, 100%. And I totally get what you're saying, because that happens to me when I go to Colombia. I eat and honestly, like our diet, like our, like typical food, right? It's not very healthy. Like we eat a lot of fried carbs, right? We like every everything we, we eat, most of it. It's like fried stuff, right? And so and, and a lot of like carbs. And when I go there, like empanadas are fried and, um, you know, like we eat a lot of, in Cali, we eat a lot of pork and fried pork. Um, and we eat a lot of like platano and papa. And uh, it's like, a, it's food that if you have that diet here, it, it'll be very bad for your health. And when I go to Cali, I eat everything and more. Like, I don't, I don't really like, watch for my diet because of course like I'm, I'm there and I want to eat it all and 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 it happens it happens to me when I come back I'm like I actually lost weight <laughs> eating right. that much so so yeah that, that that was interesting right 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 um so bringing things to a close um we met we met with um through an organization called Empowered Women International that's now morphed into something even bigger. And now you're connected with the Bridge Sisters that you mentioned earlier. Could you um, just wrap up for our listeners, you know, any advice that you would share with new immigrants or just immigrants in general who are here to become, you know, successful contributing members of the American society and, and how can they find um, your the Bridge Sister organization if they wish to get involved or support EWI in any way? Yeah, so thank you. I um, well, the first to the first uh, part of your question. One thing that I want people to remember is that we are a nation of immigrants, right? With the exception of Native Americans, the vast majority of Americans are immigrants, or descendants of immigrants or enslaved people. Do not forget that. And I mean it. Even if politicians or a few people you hear on TV or around you say different, I invite you to look around and see the beauty of the diversity we live in, at least in the coasts of the country, because I realize that, that, you know, it's different for different parts of the country. But even then, you came here to make a living to provide a better future for you or your family. Maybe you were escaping violence. Whatever the reason might be, it is valid. And you're not less than anybody else in this country because our work as immigrants, our ideas, entrepreneurship, art, whatever it might be, uh, contributes to the U.S. society, the economy, and the culture, and I and I want people to really, really remember that um, that your culture, your experiences, uh, make the American culture and society richer. So yes, adjusting to the culture and understanding the system is absolutely necessary. But we don't have to erase or diminish our own heritage. 
uh, background or experiences to fit in. Um, and, I, and I also want people to, to, to know uh, and, and really remember that immigrants make an important contribution to the U.S. economy. And let's just talk about the economy alone, because, you know, that some people and politicians wouldn't um, uh, consider culture to be uh, one of the things that one of the biggest contributions that we make, even though it is, uh, but we make important contributions to the economy. And um, even according to the White House, right, it, it, they say that we increase potential uh, economic output by increasing the size of the labor force. And that's because we increase productivity, right? So um, there's also studies that show that uh, immigrants more than um, you know, people that are non-immigrants um, respond to economic, uh, to the economic conditions easier, which helps the labor markets function more efficiently. And, and we boost innovation, which is, I mean, that's pretty important, right? Immigrants boost innovation because that, it, it's important because that improves the lives and, and, and the standards of living of everybody in this country. Uh, so I just want everybody to, to keep that in mind every time they're about to make a decision about their future, their career, their life, and they're feeling that they're less than, right? I want us uh, immigrants to claim our place in the, the table, the American table. And if you're eligible to become a naturalized citizen, do it. Um, speak up for your community, vote and run for office if you want, because this country needs you and it needs us more or as much as we need it. Um, and and we're not we're not outsiders. We're, we're Americans, too. So um, I, I get very passionate when I say this because you know, I went through that and, um, and I want people to, to claim their, their, their place uh, at the table. So that's to answer the, the first part of your question. <laughs> um, yes, yes. No, I hear the passion and I totally uh, relate. And I, and I know that will resonate with a lot of people listening. That's why this platform exists is to amplify the work that. that immigrants are doing and contributing to the American life, because too often it goes unnoticed, unrecognized, unthanked. And so that's why we exist. So I love it. I love it. And I love and I love you for opening up this space uh, for us to tell our stories uh, and, and to inspire others and, and really for for those um, non-immigrants who are listening to, to, to get uh, a little bit of, you know, our, our own stories and understand uh, our, our culture and, you know, the richness of what we bring to, to this country. Um, to, to answer your second question about the Bridge Sisters. So this is, this is a dream that I'm living now uh, and I'm loving it. We are um, a women-owned business uh, focused on mainly developing um, bilingual communications uh, for, for nonprofits. So our, our, our um, target or clients are nonprofits and we wanna maximize the impact of their work because we know that as a nonprofit, 
um, resources are, are usually limited and, and uh, people that work in the nonprofit world do a lot with very limited resources. And, and we want to help them maximize that through their communication strategy, helping them raise the funds that they need uh, or putting out the, um, the importance of the issues that they're addressing uh, and, and help that to have an impact in public policy. And uh, within the, the world of nonprofits, we focus on primarily progressive organizations that provide direct services or work on advocacy and public policy areas to promote gender equality um, in the United States, and particularly those who worked with uh, migrants and the, the Latinx community in the United States. Uh, so you can learn more about the Bridge Sisters. You can visit our website at um, www.thebridgesisters.com uh, or you can also find us on, on LinkedIn and um, and I, you know I, I would love to to talk more about what we're doing and how we are uh, able to support the work that um, that that you know your your organization might be in need for right right and then um, is there do you have a plug for EWI and the new collaboration? Yes, 100%. So uh, Empower Women International is a program of the Latino Economic Development Center. Uh, and I've been with them for the past six or seven years. I, I can't remember now. Uh, teaching and uh, helping immigrant women to develop their business ideas and put them into a business plan. And this is a program that is perfect for people like us, uh, just because of what I was mentioning at the beginning uh, of, of my story, right? Like a lot of immigrants come to this country with a lot of knowledge, talents, and degrees, and the system doesn't know what to do with us. So Empowered Women is providing um, a space for us to explore those um, uh, opportunities and talents and, and honestly monetize our, 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 our talents uh, in this country by by teaching us, you know, how the system works and helping us uh, organize those uh, ideas or business ideas that we might have and put them into place in a business plan and helping us really launch our uh, small businesses to, like you said, you know, uh, achieve our dreams while we contribute to to the to this society. So again, it's a program of the Latino Economic Development Center in Washington DC. Um, and they are they currently have classes in Virginia and DC and Baltimore as well. Awesome. So if anyone would like to get in touch with the Bridge Sisters, again, www.thebridgesisters.com or with the um, Empowered Women International that's now merged into the Latino development. Um, can you help me get that right? It, I just Latin, missed it. Latino Economic Development Center. Right, right. So you can Google uh, and if you're in the Washington DC area and need some support and get in touch with Lillian and uh, the folks over there for some assistance. We are passionate about providing the support to you that you need to navigate um, the United States, we want you to be able to make positive contributions uh, and, and not to get yourselves involved in, you know, the wrong company, the wrong situations that might not be beneficial to you or the society. So um, we exist to help you 
uh, become better uh, contributors to the United States and um, to your families. So we thank you for joining us today, Lillian, and um, all the best to you in your future endeavors. Thank you so much for providing this space, Simone. I, I am so happy to be here and so proud of you on this, this project. So please keep doing it and uh, bringing some amazing people to, to share their stories. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here and please pass on my well wishes to Alex and, um, and Tope uh, who came to teach us on finances while I was there uh, participating in one of their courses. And um, I welcome them to come on and share their stories. And uh, we'd love to hear it, okay? 100%. I'm, I'm very excited about that too. Thank you. Very good. So until next time. Tune in next week for another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence. <laughs>